This is the emergency medical minute. So this comes from Steve just asking me to talk a little bit about insulin and DKA and um, kind of how we do it and why we do it and that sort of thing. So um, patient comes in with anion gap acidosis and an elevated glucose, right? So pretty straightforward DKA. Um, and we see this a lot and, and we treat it a lot. Um, but a couple of the nuances that are just sort of good things to remember um, and refresh our memory about. Um, so as soon as I think of DKA, I focus on the K. So why do we focus on K? So potassium is the, the ion that's going to be a problem in DKA. So when you have hyperosmolar urine because you're spilling glucose, you're taking that potassium with it. So remember, potassium is an intracellular ion, and it's going to be lower in the serum uh, as a result of the spillage out of the urine. So most DKA patients start at a relative decrease. Plus, the second thing you do with DKA is you're going to hydrate them, right? Or first thing you do, rather, is, is you hydrate them, right? So that's also going to drop the serum potassium as well. So again, potassium being an intracellular ion. So um, you have to always make sure that you remember K. So that's that's just kind of my my remembrance of it with uh, with DKA, because. If your potassium is less than 3.3, you really should not be starting insulin. You're going to drive that potassium that's available in the serum into the cells and increase your risk of dysrhythmia. So um, just really try to keep that forefront in your mind. Um, the saline bolus that we start with with DKA patients. So all these patients are dehydrated because, again, with the osmolar urine, you're also taking a lot of fluid with it. So they have polyuria, right? So um, they have a relative degree of dehydration, sometimes up to eight to 10 liters of, of fluid down. So uh, the goal for the first four hours, you should be replacing 50 mils per kilo of normal saline in the patient who doesn't have CHF and who doesn't have anything else that would preclude normal fluid bolusing. So another thing to kind of keep in mind. Um, the reason we hydrate patients is just the, the mere fact of hydrating someone, you're going to increase your renal perfusion so you can get rid of extra glucose and so you can increase your, your kidney's function to, to be able to resolve the acidosis a little bit faster too. Um, so with respect to uh, sugars dropping just on virtue of hydrating patients, you can get 30 to 50 uh, milligrams per deciliter per hour of drop of, of glucose just purely by hydration ad adequately. So then insulin dosing, so insulin dosing 0.1 units per kilogram of body weight for bolus followed by a drip at 0.1 units per kilogram per hour. So same dosing, bolus, drip, obviously at different times that you get that. Um, again, making sure that your potassium is okay first. You should also see a drop of 50 to 70 milligrams per deciliter per hour with your insulin dosing. So if you're not seeing that, you really should be raising your insulin dosing because there may be a significant degree of insulin resistance. So um, just again, some of the goals of the patient in the first couple of hours, you know, as we hold patients down here longer, you know, it's great when we can just start everything and send them to the unit, but, but since we do hold patients down here longer sometimes, it's really important to kind of think about those goals of therapy. Any questions? Emergency Medical Minute is and always will be about free medical education. Medicine's most prolific podcast is successful because of our supporters, donors, and of course, our listeners. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. 
And if you support spreading free medical education, please donate at our website, emergencymedicalminute.com. As always, keep listening.